When you think of Pride Month, you think of parties and big celebrations outside in the street, a riot of colour, music, costumes and smiles. That's been curtailed by COVID. Last year, outdoor celebrations were largely cancelled, and this year, organisers are waiting to midsummer to see if easing allows the parties back. But Pride isn't just about those parties, it's also about protest. As Todd and Rachel from Talk Talk's Pride Networks told me, Dominic Laurie, on this latest episode of Walking the Walk. Right, guys. Um, I actually, I'm going to start with Todd first time around. Todd, briefly, tell us what you do in your day job. A lot of people in Talksville have many jobs, but what's your day job? Yes, yeah, so my day job is working within consumer in the comms and knowledge team. Um, so we're the team that speak to the agents through knowledge, which is our message portal, I guess. So we tell them what's coming up, if there's any process changes, if there's any price changes coming up, new products, changes with Now TV, anything like that, with basically the go-to guys that cascade the message from up top, from high above, down to agent level, and then they can have those brilliant conversations with our customers. So making sure the agents are have the accurate information is your job, which I guess is a yes. very important job for a, a telecoms company, a broadband company. Very important tool. Very important cog in the talk talk consumer family. Yeah, Rachel, what do you do? You're also very useful. Yeah, so I um, started on SMC, which was a service management centre, fixing faults, delegating faults and cases, moved on to the CEO team, which is where I basically handle complaints on behalf of the CEO herself. Now I also do subject access requests as well for the GDPR team. So a bit of everything. If you need something, it's in, in 10 years' time, you'll have done every job in every job in telecoms. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> You'll be running the company. Um, Todd, a lot of the time, it, I, as I've discovered in Talk Talk, people have you know, lots of, if not jobs, they have lots of roles, lots of hats, which is why the title of, you know, the subtitles of our podcast are always you know, two or three different qualities to every person. You are very heavily involved in the Pride Network. So tell us about that. Tell us about, tell us, tell us about, it's a very strong network within Talk Talk. Tell us about how it works. Yeah, so Talk Pride is our LGBTQ plus network and allies are included in that. You don't have to identify as being LGBT to be part of the network. Anybody is invited. How important is that, Todd? Um, How important is that? Allies are a massive part of the LGBTQ plus community. That's really important for us. We need those people to be our voices whilst we're not in the room. I like to give that comparison, be our voices while we're not in the room and represent us. And it works across the board. It works within the LGBTQ community. I am a gay man. I am an ally um, and friend to my trans brothers and sisters. I will always step up for them um, and educate myself as much as possible around them. And I think the LGBTQ plus network within Talk Talk is really, really important. It's three years old this year. It was started in June 2018 by myself, and I'm the chair of it and have been the chair for three years. And in that three years, we've done quite a lot of stuff. We have our monthly coffee morning. That's how we started our coffee morning. I think about five people turned up. It was great <laughs> on the first one. And then it's kind of grown and grown and grown. And we've got a Yama community of about 150 people now. So, How important is visibility? Because... Uh, you know, a lot of people that I speak to who come from a so-called non-mainstream community, whatever that is, uh, at Talk Talk, have always said that the visibility is so important. What does the visibility of the Talk Pride Network mean to you? 
The visibility for me is just an, a voice and someone being there, whether it's me, whether it's somebody else, part of the community, one of my committee members, anything like that. I think the visibility of our network is key in driving change and almost we are starting to do it more externally as well. Recently, I think a couple of years ago, one of our ad campaigns had a same-sex couple on the billboards. It was right near my house as well. So when I walked past it, I was like, oh my God, talk, talk, same-sex couple, amazing. Um, and we've just done a big brand relaunch and that's also got same-sex couples within it as well. And do you think that only happens when the culture of the company internally allows that to happen externally? It doesn't, the, the one only, only, it only follows on that way. Yeah. And I mean, it's definitely not, I don't feel like it talk, talk. It's like any kind of tick box exercise. We've done that like within our culture. Um, we are encouraged to be ourselves here. Like I'm very much myself. I have been since day one. Um, hence the driving force between behind talk pride. I think once you are perfectly safe and comfortable and feel like you belong somewhere, you can then put all your energy and focus into getting the job done and doing what you do best. I don't think people that feel uncomfortable coming out in the workplace or being their truly true selves are 100% there when they come to work because they have other things going on in their in their heads and they don't necessarily might want to come out to their manager or anything like that. So Talk Pride and the network really helps those kind of people come together in our own little talk talk community and just kind of celebrate each other. Rachel, you you do some volunteering for the Proud Trust. What what, what does pride mean for you? What what does how does it form part of your non non day job life? Yeah, I think just to echo what Todd said really, it's about visibility, isn't it? It's about being heard, seen, educated. Um, my work at the Proud Trust is predominantly counselling psychotherapy, so. When I moved to Manchester three years ago, I quit my law degree and decided I wanted to do counselling. So I'm at the end of my course now. I'm waiting for my certificate to come through. And as part of my final placement, I had to go and work for a charity for free or I can go anywhere on placement. But I chose the Proud Trust. And then for like a year, I've been counselling three to four clients a week. Um, LGBT community, obviously Talk Talk does a lot of work with the Proud Trust directly. I know that there's a fundraiser coming up in Snowdon, did you say, Todd, in August? Yeah, we're planning on a, a bit of a fundraiser for the Proud Trust in August. Climbing Snowdon. We did a bit of fundraising last year during lockdown as well. They managed to raise just over £2,000. Yeah. So we wanted to, wanted to smash that target in 2021. Yeah, so I think my work through the Proud Trust is... I suppose opened my eyes because I'd never worked directly with youths. So for me, it was another world and obviously they are the next generation. And so to me, it feels so important to work with young people, especially of that community, because, you know, their parents aren't as educated as we were or we are. And I think the fact that we have that power to implement things within schools now to educate their parents and show and, and show them what visibility means and show them what gender dysphoria looks like or transphobia, because a lot of these words that we use, they were never used. And, and now, you know, a lot of young people are, are a lot more educated than we are. And I think there, it, within sessions as well, it, it's important to kind of have those, the hierarchy broken down because actually you can learn a lot from young people. And it's just about being open-minded. You know, if you, if you do something that's upsetting or wrong, then be open to change and be open to accept that actually, you know, 
maybe we do have cultural differences, but actually things can change and we can all work together. There's still a long way to go, isn't there, Todd? I mean, there's, you know, a place like Talk Talk's very welcoming and as it should be, but I'm a, I'm a big football fan. I'm very, very conscious there's still been no openly gay Premier League football player and it's 2021, still not happened. So I guess you think there's still very much a burning need for anybody, including companies, to try and create tolerance and, and, and awareness. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, I mean, there's lots of work happening within the sports industry to kind of improve their take on LGBT and racism and all that kind of stuff. I mean, Stonewall charity, they've introduced rainbow laces where they will do a pride game over a weekend and they'll change their their logo to rainbow colours, they'll wear rainbow laces on the field. Um, but society's got to change, doesn't it, Todd? That's the thing. Yeah, you know, we, I mean, that's football thing. clubs can be very helpful. Companies like ours can be very helpful. But we, it's that next step, isn't it, of actually changing the minds of, of, of the everyday man and woman in the street. Exactly. And I think if there was a premiership footballer out there that has such a huge following or fan base because of them being a footballer and nothing else, if they were to come out as being gay or LGBT in any remit, I think that would be such a massive message to everyone. And it's just a case of this person identifies as LGBT. They are an incredible sportsman, sportswoman, person on the field. That would be an incredible message. And I mean, it's another conversation as well, whereas it seems to be in the men's area of football there's no LGBT representation, but in women's football, there's so much. It's very diverse in women's football. Um, you've got lesbian footballers, bisexual footballers, all within these female leagues. And it seems to be more accepted in that remit than in the male-dominated area of football. Um, so there's a lot that men could probably learn from the women's teams. It's pockets, isn't it? It's, there are pockets, aren't there, in, in society, aren't there? You know, there are actually many, many openly LGBT uh, politicians now. It's just not a big deal. As you talk about women's footballers, yes. Men's footballers, no. It's still really, a, it's, it's a big patchwork quilt, isn't it, Rachel? Where, where, where would you say we are as a society in accepting LGBT people? And therefore, I guess, how important is pride still, you know, because of where we are and what we've still got to do? Yeah, I mean, it's a big question because obviously it depends who you surround yourself with, the societies that you come from, live in, areas you know, a lot of poorer areas, you know, maybe less open to LGBT rights or the complete opposite. I have clients that are, you know, super wealthy and the family are really completely against the LGBT community and vice versa. Predominantly, the older generation are less accepting typically, like not to generalize, but as a whole, it is a lot harder for somebody to accept LGBT the community at an older age. And is that why do you think companies, you know, like Talk Talk, have a are a good place because you know tend to be quite young. You know, I would, if you walk around, you know, soap works. A lot of people in their twenties, a lot of people in their early thirties work at Talk Talk. I guess we've got a ready-made accepting culture because we've got young people who have grown up with a large degree of tolerance. Yeah, I think as well we've normalised our feelings because we we're open to talking now. We're trying to normalize mental health and it should have been normalized a long time ago. But now we're actually realizing that all these feelings that we've had, we suppressed them when we were so young because you have a certain lane that you put into. If you're a girl, you know, you get given Barbies. If you're a boy, you get given trucks and Lego. So for you to say that you feel a certain way and that's suppressed by your family and it's not 
obviously when we look back, we, we think it is kind of toxic, but also that's all that your parents have ever known. So you never question, you know, your caregiver or your parent because you think, you know, that's how you're supposed to grow up. But actually looking back and you have all of these feelings and you're struggling with who you are as a child and that's normal because actually we don't always fit into the sort of genders that we're given. And I think that's where it's important to to validate a child's urge to wear a dress or wear, you know, some football boots without questioning them because that's okay. How have you seen that over the three years, Todd, how have you seen the three, you know, Pride Months change as you've been chair of the Talk Pride Network? How have you seen society change? How, you know, we've obviously had coronavirus, which I guess makes it difficult to make an assessment. Or does it? Have you seen changes with coronavirus maybe and this weird society we've lived in? <laughs> um, I mean, there's been lots of different impacts on Pride over the last three years and impacts on the LGBT community. I think it was great when it was 2019 and we had just done Salford Pride. We'd sponsored Salford Pride and we'd gone to York and done York Pride with our UFO um, element of Talk Talk and we were like having the best time ever. And then coronavirus hit, we had plans and then they were all kiboshed in some kind of way. And I think when it came to 2020 and Pride that year, it kind of did a few different things. I mean, one, the kind of element of isolation was major. A lot more LGBT people were probably living in isolation. And Pride is there time to go out and socialize you'll have people that go to multiple prides not just one a year though because it's like a pride season things start in may and finish in october you'll have people going out going out and about and coming together multiply over the year and now they've been confined into their bedroom or living space and some of these people are probably living in households that aren't that accepting of them being lgbt and pride and those kinds of events are their escapism from that and lockdown is kind of I think, emphasised that isolation within the LGBT community. Um, but also, it's kind of on the flip side of that, it's probably made some Pride events that have gone virtually a little bit more accessible to people. Pride, especially Manchester Pride, can be a massive daunting event to go to. And for those people that are slightly maybe more introverted, which will never ever go to a Pride event or proceed with caution, if they can attend a, a virtual event from the comfort of their front room and watch everything that they want to get involved with they might see their favorite artist there or drag performer or something like that it's made it a lot more accessible and someone like Salford Pride or Manchester Pride it's helped them go a little bit more global so you've got people probably tuning in from Australia or New Zealand or Boston in America coming to these events that they might not necessarily would have so on one hand, there's the isolation, but then on the other hand, I think the accessibility of Pride has increased over 2020. And it's made people miss going out and doing fun things. So I'm just dead excited for Manchester Pride in August. <laughs> Rachel, one, many of my LGBT friends are the most sociable people I know. And I would say there's a reason for that, because what Todd's talking about, it's about community. It's about, it's about safety. It's about being out and visible. It's such an important part. So is that something that, as you, as somebody that counsels people from the LGBT community, is that something you're looking forward to where people can be out and about and proud and safe and enjoying themselves again for who they are? Yeah, absolutely. I think just similarly to what Todd was saying about uh, counseling online, being virtual and going to events and stuff. So I realised 
my clients, they are quite introverted. And the fact that they wouldn't typically seek counselling um, if it was in person, because that's quite anxiety inducing for them. So I think for me as well, it's also opened up another world of virtual counselling and, and actually helping those people who are very introverted. I think I'm quite an introverted extrovert. So for me, I mean, I love being completely sociable a lot of the time, but then I do also love my own space and love to just, you know, hide away from the world Same. for a couple of days. Yeah, yeah, of course. But I think I'm so looking forward to Pride in August and just we've kind of forgot how to socialize. So there's more conversations like, oh, how was your lockdown? And that typical, you know, that typical stuff. There's always somewhere to start with a conversation now because we've all been through so much in isolation. So Todd, um, what are you looking forward to? What's the one thing that you are visualizing yourself doing either in Pride Month this June or in Manchester Pride in August? What's the mental picture you're painting? Just being with all my mates out in Manchester, just celebrating how far we've come. Like I've been going to Manchester Pride for at least the last 10 years, maybe. And what's, and what's the biggest change since it started in society for you, your experience, your, your experience as a gay man? God, so much has changed in my lifetime. Um, I mean, it's now legal for gay men and same-sex couples to get married legally and it be apparent that that's a thing. Um, I mean, it's only just happened recently in Northern Ireland. That was one thing that I'd never envisaged happening in my lifetime. I mean, so many different laws and things have changed, like even recently, the change of gender recognition certificate has reduced in price for um, people that want to change their gender. It's gone from being 100 or 200 pounds to five pounds. All these kinds of things that a lot of people probably from a straight point of view wouldn't even necessarily think about or double think about and even looking around the world and seeing how many more countries are kind of becoming i want to say more tolerant of lgbt people but then on the flip side there's less tolerance as well that's come out of the last few years so it's kind of been a bit of a roller coaster i, I hate using that cliche of emotions and seeing things that have that we can celebrate but also things that still need to change um, and I mean, at the end of the day, Pride was a protest once upon a time. As much as we have the parade and the celebration, I think we need to go sometimes back to our roots. And I would absolutely love to be part of that celebration as well as protest um, for all our LGBT people around the world that are suffering. And just, yeah, just have a happy gay old time <laughs> in Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In August. <laughs> That's all for today. If you like the podcast, please subscribe in your podcast app. And if you have time, give us a review. If you have a suggestion or question, get in touch on Twitter at TalkTalkGroup. You can follow us there or also on LinkedIn. Thanks a lot for listening.